Rotoscopers podcast, episode 6, the Iron Giant panel at the Los Angeles Animation Festival. And this mini-episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with over 100,000 downloadable titles. For the listeners of the Rotoscopers podcast, Audible is giving you, our listeners, a free 30-day trial. So for your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com backslash therotoscopers. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash therotoscopers. Welcome to the Rotoscopers podcast, a podcast for animation addicts, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I am your host, Morgan Burt. Hello, welcome everybody. It's just me this episode. This is just a quick, short, mini episode. Chelsea and Mason aren't here. On our very first episode, we talked about the Los Angeles Animation Festival, which was happening at the beginning of March. And one of our listeners was inspired to go out and to visit. So they got to go see the screening of The Iron Giant and also the Q&A panel discussion with Bradbird and companies. It's about 30 minutes and it's a panel discussion about making of the film and a lot of the animators and the different people who were involved. And it's really cool and exciting. So we're really grateful that he was able to go down and, and get this recording for us and to give it to us. There's also a transcript he put so we're putting that in the show notes you can follow along because there's some parts that might be hard to hear we're really grateful that he was able to do that for us so thank you so much so without further ado here's brad bird and company at the los angeles animation festival talking about their film the iron giant So 
So one of the three D animators uh, whose other credits other than this include Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Spider-Man, Stuart Love. Please welcome Brad Booker.
Should I take this? Maybe I'll take this one. I'll go to this side. We'll play like uh, we'll play like Jerry Springer here. Pass the mic around. Here we go. Are we good?
So they were like kind of panicking, but the heads of the studio were liking it. And uh, so about halfway through the pitch, I saw one of them suddenly elbow the other one. And, and he started writing down what I was saying, you know? And, um, and so they liked it. They wanted to go ahead with it, and they wanted to make a deal with me. And, um, and, and then it sort of went from there. But I found out later that they, um, that they had commissioned two guys to write treatments based on the notes of my pitch while I was negotiating with them. And um, they, one of them almost got screen credit, but I was smart enough to write it down and register it with the Writers Guild before I gave the pitch. <laughs> so, they were actually on the book as screen story by Joe Guy, who talk, took the, uh, the notes. And the notes were all wrong, by the way. A lot of it was screwed up, but anyway. <laughs> I noticed that there's credit there for Ted Hughes that he was a consultant. Did, did he like interact with you? Um, we we uh, we talked to him on on the phone. Uh, Allison Abate, the producer, uh, had some um, conversations with him. We got a really nice letter from him. I when I went to uh, London to have uh, dinner with Pete Townsend, um, uh, Ted was supposed to join us, but he called in that night and said that he wasn't feeling well, and, and you know maybe could we get together tomorrow, and, and unfortunately I was leaving the next day, um, and none of us knew that he was sick, but he was actually dying, and, and uh, uh, so, you know, he never saw the completed film, but he knew what what we were doing with the story, and he, and he actually liked it, and uh, uh, wrote this very nice letter, you know, to us, you know, so. No, I never got to meet him, but I came that close. Wow. Okay. Got to meet his family, though. So now, one of the things I know a lot of people want, want, to, want to know about, and, and, and we can throw this at, at Mark and Steve, is the design of the giant. I mean, I, you, you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm in my 50s now, and it's like, it's like, and I'm at the point where, like, it was a toy I wanted to buy. Like, I wanted that toy. That's such a freaking cool toy. It's like, you know, where did, where did you come up with that design? Or like, what was, the, what was the genesis of the creation of the design of the giant? Well, um, there have been designs before we got there to doing this, and they were, uh, they were more like, um, there was one that actually had lips and, and like a tongue, and it was all made out of metal, but it started to look a little deliberate to me, and I was sort of inspired by this train that, that was an Art Deco train, and somebody out there probably knows the name of it, I don't, I've forgotten, but um, I asked uh, Joe Johnston to uh, come up with designs based on that because I knew he loved the 30s and, and that kind of style of design. And so he did some early drawings that were, you know, in the ballpark. And then Mark Whiting uh, came in and, and took it, you know, to the next level and, and really added a lot of great details and, and got into much more of the nuance of it. And, and you know, uh, Joe was had a career as a director and. And you know he he did it as, as a favor to me you know but he he just did you know a few drawings and then Mark really kind of hunkered down and, and uh, pushed it through and once it got to a certain point there you know and it started to you know we were actually heading towards animation and Steve uh, got involved in the design and kind of helped finesse it and uh, bring it into 3D and make it so that it would work for animation and um, it was really he, uh, Steve um, figured out. Um, how to shape, um, uh, get expressions just by tilting the angles of things so that, um, you know, uh, his uh, eyelids would, would function as both um, eyelids and uh, brows, 
And, and if the lower one came up, it could sort of look like somebody doing that, you know. And uh, so it was taking a very limited number of shapes and by kind of bending them toward the camera in certain directions could change whether it was a smile or a frown. And um, that's, you know, there was a trick to that. And then I think they all did a great job. Did they want to jump anything into present? Mr. White. Who came up with that wheel thing with the two little points like hitting it and shooting those stuff? 
that was Mark and, and me. Um, the, the battle of joint aesthetically, uh, I did, and Mark had done the board and kind of come up with the ideas behind a lot of the weapons. Um, but um, Mark Bunny was already um, gone off the project by the time we got the battle mode giant. And Brent couldn't get a hold of Joe Johnson because he was off directing, I think, up to Uber Sky. And uh, so we, we were left on our own side. So I, I, the, um, the claw thing was actually the idea of the typewriter thing being hit was uh, in the storyboard, and then we just worked out the, the look of it. Cool, cool. Yeah, Mark is, Mark Andrews now is, is just completing Brave uh, for Pixar. Oh yeah, cover John Carter. Wow, cool. So, okay. so, so I, want, I want to get a little bit too into like the, the storyboarding process. You know, while, while we got Steve there, because you guys also like you did a lot of writing on the boards. Like you know, like you you, you changed a lot of the story from the original, from the script level and stuff like on the storyboards. Like well, which is sort of like the older animation way of doing things. But yeah, well, it was always interactive. Although Brad was writing while we were boarding, uh -huh. he would always come to us with, okay, here's what I'm writing. You know, start drawing it. And actually, our head of story, Jeff Lynch, is out here. Oh, Jeff, yeah, yeah. Jeff Lynch, so, stand up! Stand up! Yeah. So just to get a little bit into the art direction and stuff, it's visually, it's a, it's a visually beautiful movie. And uh, Alan, can you talk a little bit about? Uh, um, I think like one of your influences was like Thomas Hart Benton and this idea about putting like this autumn kind of feeling into things. Yeah, it, uh, we were looking at Thomas Hart Benton and a lot of uh, reference from the 1950s and 40s as well, uh, even going back to Sears magazine. Uh, catalog just to see what the clothing was like from that era. Uh, Maine was the, the area that we were looking at, and I unfortunately didn't get to go on that trip back there. But fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, the cool thing about about, about animation is when you get to go on trips. The cool. Yeah, I missed out on that one, but it was it was really wonderful to try to to achieve those colors. And I think the the great thing that I loved was the autumnal colors of the year, and then out as it changes throughout the film, we were doing so many different changes to, from daytime to nighttime to dusk, and all these beautiful colors, that by the time you get to the point where the giant is uh, turning into the, the gun, all the color has been zapped out of the film to, to white, and I just love that direction that you gave to us to do that. And I just, yeah, Lou definitely did that great moment when the giant shoots the gun and the whole scene turns from red to green. It was really beautiful. Uh, I just loved working with a, with Brad to do this color strip through the film. We, prior to coming on Dollar Giant, I had been doing a Warner Classic films, and I really was thinking more in terms of painting background and not really how it flows through the film. So it was a great education to actually do a full film and see how color really plays throughout a film. And I think it was your reference that really keyed me in that creating a color script is like writing a song. There's so many changes within the song and the tempo and the melody. And here you are doing it through the use of color. And that film just has so many different variations in color as you move from start to finish. 
missile and basically runs through the town, so all those shots I got to do because I had done the, the run side. So anyway, that's that's uh, was was dealing any here. So 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 I so so you were you were part of a trio and everything of like like young artists like right out of Cal Arts and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and getting your first character animation. So what was that like? It was it was pretty unique. Um, so yeah, I'm up here representing basically a small group of students that was given amazing opportunity. Um, myself and three others uh, were basically in the right place at the right time. That's how I like to look at it. Um, there was Peter Song, who's now co-directing of the Pixar. Yeah, yes. um, Peter was also the model for the little kid and up and everything, the little boys. Yeah, and the boys could be young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Shane Craigmore, who's in the audience somewhere. <laughs> Um, and there was also Andy Schuler, who uh, is now a, a storyboard artist over at DreamWorks. But uh, yeah, it was between our junior and senior year at, uh, at CalArts when Brad and Tony Fagili came up. And they were both uh, former graduates of the program, so they had that connection. Um, but they came up there to look, for por look at portfolios. And uh, yeah, and at the time we knew Brad um, from Family Dog and The Simpsons, and also as uh, director of, of Reagan, which we were all really excited about at the school. Um, and we also knew he had the reputation of being kind of the rebel of animation, which we thought was really cool. Um, so we kind of, you know, viewed him as the Han Solo of the industry. And, you know, when we met Brad, you know, Tony Pichilli was by his side, you know, every single time we saw him. So Tony was basically the Chewbacca of the year. <laughs> um, but yeah, so after this whole process, he selected the four of us from a group of other students. And, um, yeah, and... We were just so grateful to be brought onto the project. And for, for Brad, it was like, um, they took us under their wing, both Brad and Tony, and I think for Brad, it was more, more of a pay it forward type of deal um, with what Milk Hall did with him early on in his career. So we, we were just, you know, we were eternally grateful for the, the opportunity that he gave us. Before, before I throw this open to, uh, like, we can take a question or two from the audience. Brad, I was just wondering that, like, in retrospect, because now you've done a couple of films since this film, what keeps bringing you back to this one? China. I think that um, just the feeling of, you know, wow, I got a film and I may never get another one, so let's make this one count. I mean, that, that was kind of my feeling was, um, you know, this this kind of happened from a series of flukes, and if they if there's probably about ten different things that if they didn't just go in exactly that combination, it was it's like a, a mushroom spore or something. You know, you can't really grow mushrooms; they just sort of happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and this was an odd combination, and I was just like, you know, quick, let's make a movie before they find out. You know. <laughs> That was my feeling, and, and uh, I, I, that feeling never quite leaves me, you know? Yeah, that's normal. I mean, what, what I was loving about this film, too, was that, was that I remember a guy who was an AD for Bakshi used to say, listen, do you see the money on the screen? You hear about the budgets, it's the money on the screen. And sometimes you'll see like a $200 million movie or something, and you're like, uh, you know, this, you see every penny on the screen. I mean, you see like it's really, really well done. Thanks. There's a lot of uh, bailing wire and chewing gum in there. <laughs> <laughs> Too close. Yeah. 
TV people push it. So let's see. Does anybody have a question? Do you want to throw a question out there? I never done myself. Let me get you. You were the first one the, in the gray shirt. Oh yeah, you got the music yeah, about Michael Kamen. And yeah. Well, uh, music. I mean, this is not. This is like one on one. The music is really key, and and it's sort of like open heart surgery at the end of the movie because um, it's it's late in the game, um, but uh, a good score can absolutely make a film and a bad score can just damage it just unbelievably and it's all at the last bit when everything is done. So um, I was really lucky uh, to get Michael Kamen who uh, lived in England even though he was an American and so he kind of was familiar with the, the material and he knew a lot of those guys because he he played with uh, Metallica, he did like uh, conducted orchestras with Metallica and, and he knew Eric Clapton and, and Pete Townsend and all those guys. But he was kind of an intellectual guy and sort of a bohemian. It was unbelievably great to hang out with. And we recorded the music for Iron Giant in Prague. So uh, I got to hang out with Michael Kamen and, and a lot of his guys in Prague, which was just cool upon cool. Cool times cool. And, uh, uh, you know, he was just a really great guy. I was really sad, you know, um, uh, when he died. But uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy I, I found Michael Cicchino because uh, I have a great relationship with him and, and uh, you know, he's come through every single time. But uh, Michael's score is fantastic. Both Michaels. Okay, we got we got one more, one more. So, how about that fellow back there with the hand up and the orange or red? Uh, do you foresee working on any other traditionally animated films in the future? Do you foresee working on any other traditionally animated features? Yeah, I would like to. I mean, uh, I think it's really cool, and I feel like uh, uh, nobody's really putting the, the big bucks into it now, and. and when it's really done well, I, I think it has its own look that's very unique and, and not uh, replicatable uh, any other way. I mean, I also feel that way about Nick Park's work, you know. I, you know, I hope he never discovers a computer, you know. <laughs> because, and I love computer films, obviously, I've made two of them, and, and you know, would absolutely welcome an opportunity to work that way again. It's just that all of these processes have their own feeling, and you can't get it any other way. I mean, Henry Selleck's films, um, uh, you, you, it seems like you ought to be able to replicate them in uh, the computer, but you can't. There's something uh, that's um, ineffable about um, uh, touching something and, and moving it. And Henry's making a film in San Francisco right now, and it's great that it's stop motion. And, and you know, uh, I just think all of these things are, are as, you know, as different and as valuable as jazz is to classical, but um, it's all great. And I, I don't think that there's enough hand-drawn films being done now. I'd love to see more. Short. Um, uh, 
they wanted to, several years ago, they wanted to shut down hand-drawn animation at CalArts, and, and the industry was telling them, why are you uh, have hand-drawn animation? You know, it's dead, it's done with, it's over. And they were going to close it down at CalArts. They were going to have the animation program, but it's all going to be CG. And Ed Catmull, bless his heart, came down there and said, are you crazy? He said, hand-drawn animation is the foundation of all animation, and, and you know, people can learn the box, which is what they call the computer. But, uh, but you know, the skills that you learn from doing hand-drawn can be applied in any direction. And it was ironic because a com the only reason they listened to him was because he was a computer guy. But, but, but you know, Ed Catmull is you know, largely responsible, and John Lasseter, for keeping hand-drawn animation alive at CalArts. Before, before we give them a big round of applause, I'd like anybody who worked on Iron Giant, come on up here. You don't have to come up on stage, you can be out in front down here, but, if, uh, but we, we, let's just see like, how much of a crew is here. And give, them, give them a hand for what Thanks to Tom Cito for a fantastic job, as always.